0: It's not about products, it's not about price. Uh, the phrase they use is, I like somebody with a unique understanding of my needs and mm. my environment. And now.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm <the captain> now.
1: <laughs> Coming to you from the K2 studios in San Diego, California. Hey, this sounds wow. great, you sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous Everybody's hitting off like BFS. Chris and Christine Show. What's happening? How are you doing today? Thank you so much for listening, and I am Chris.
2: And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 161 of the Chris and Christine Show. Doo, 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 doo.
1: Oh, glorious, glorious, and hopefully no more rain Sunday. It's been raining like crazy over here.
2: Yeah, it wasn't even a sunny Sunday. It was a dreary Sunday. But you know what? What's that, baby? Cheers to the weekend! I'm sitting here with my my cup. What does it say on it?
1: It says because kids
2: because kids and what is it full of uh, i'm referring it to it as a momosa because it's not in the morning so it's not a mimosa it's a momosa it's you know 80 percent champagne maybe 95 percent champagne and a little spritz of orange juice
1: wait a second are you telling me that for the first time in the history of the chris and christine show you're actually drinking while podcasting I
2: Drinking. Well, I mean, I have a beverage. I mean, I always have a beverage. It just normally happens to be clear liquid that's called water. Adwa. And tonight I just needed some vitamin C and something that's gonna help me get some vitamin Z. <laughs> you
1: know, I wonder if mimosas are a good thing that a doctor would order somebody that would really want to knock out, but also boost their uh their immune system. That's at what the same I'm time. saying. It's
2: vitamin C and vitamin Z. It's almost like,
1: yes, definitely. (laughs) Z's. You know, almost like NyQuil. NyQuil's some good stuff. I love NyQuil, you know, by the way.
2: Yeah. um, That sounds unhealthy, but. uh, I
1: don't drink it for for dinner, but I'm saying that like, I heard long ago that if you're going to go on a long flight and you want to just like knock yourself out, do a shot of NyQuil in the airplane. Well,
2: that's unhealthy. People say Benadryl too, Uh, because Benadryl does help with like motion sickness and stuff too, but you know, I, it's just been a long weekend and I was just unwinding and I rarely have a glass of wine and I don't really like wine that much, but champagne isn't bad. And so I figured I'd opened a bottle earlier. I had some clients over, we were doing their floral preview for their wedding and they actually didn't have any champagne. I make, I had like a mimosa bar and everything and they didn't even touch it. And I was so sad because I'd like, done all of this work. Oh, yeah. You
1: had all that, all that food you had out. They didn't eat anything. In I mean, it at they all. just
2: kind of nibbled on a few little things here and there. And I went to town. Like, I made little mini quiches. I had a little charcuterie plate. I had like fruits and veggies and dip. And I had soda like uh sparkling sodas and orange what? juice What a
1: sparkling soda What is that? It's
2: a blood orange sparkling soda. It's like an Italian soda? No way. I had it all there and it was so cute and they didn't drink it or eat it very much. Is and there
1: alcohol in this a sparkling thing?
2: No. No, it's not. It's just sweet. Um but you know, I really wanted to I wanted them to enjoy it, but you know, to each his own So you know what Bottoms up I'm enjoying it
1: Oh yeah As Christine takes A big, big chug of her Mommy <laughs> drink over there Because of kids <laughs> We drink It's so uh...
2: No <laughs> Not because of kids Because kids You My mommy drink That sounds so inappropriate Let's go have a mommy drink
1: <laughs> It's mommy time you Call it me day Me time Really You know uh, You see all those Wine glasses And wine decor Because of the mom Mom No it's because of kids Mommy drink And like things like that You say you know mm.
2: No, I don't have anything like that. Just this that your sister gave me for Christmas last year.
1: I think she used it and gave it back to you because she had her kids, you know, so I figure out did she would drink and now she gave it back to you?
2: No. Oh, you know what's so funny though is this morning you gave me um, my mug for my coffee and it said mom fuel and then this was my it was a two-pack. It was the mom Fu- mom fuel mug and the Because Kids wine glass. <laughs>
1: Yeah. It's like morning and night. You got exactly. both both in the the package. That's awesome. Yeah. So how has your week been? I know you haven't been feeling well, you know, you've been kind of sick again.
2: Well, still, I've just, it's taken me forever to fight off this nasty virus that I've been battling. Oh, it's really taken a toll. I think it's just because work has been really, really busy. I've been on the go around the clock. Um but you know it's been good i've just my day job has been keeping me super busy it's a very busy season for us and i've been uh taking on some different levels of responsibilities cuz we've had some uh different shifts happening within my organization but um overall i mean it's good i just tomorrow morning i'm launching a really big um countywide professional learning and it's kind of a big deal and so mm-hmm. So we're finishing up the podcast tonight so that I can, and I'm having my mimosa, so right after this, I could go up and tuck myself into bed so that I'm up bright and early because I have to be on the road to work at 6.15.
1: No way. Wait
2: a second. Stop
1: the press. You got to be on the road at 6.15 in the morning? Yeah. Do cars even run at that early in the morning?
2: <laughs> How would I know that? I don't know. I don't know if you've ever seen 6.15 in your life. God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well not lately i did used to work day shift many years ago in my job and that was brutal what, you, is that? Well, br- what is
2: that what is that word brutal brutal? <laughs> brutal what is a brutal
1: well it was horrible let me it's tell like that
2: toll of bruise
1: it, it felt like it yeah you know i had to be at work at 3 40 in the morning which or some of you might think that's when i go to bed i know 3 40 in the morning i had to be at work and asking if i was late asking if i was late every day
2: well, I already know the answer to that because you're late <laughs> everywhere every day of
1: your life. Uh, pretty much every day. I roll in it late every single day. I remember one morning I was running to work kind of late, you know, and had my other truck and I'm flying on the freeway. And that early in the morning, there's not a lot of cars out there. And this CHP highway patrol officer, who was a female, by the way, comes up next to me. And like, I'm like, oh, freaking out. There's a cop next to me. And he, he surely like ran parallel to my truck on the freeway. I was probably doing like maybe... 70 or 75 it wasn't like going really fast yeah. but you know and just matches me like right next to me i look over and i'm like oh and i give her the hey what's up A head nod like how you doing
0: and then, and then she,
2: <laughs> did she pull you over at that point
1: <laughs> no no she just like let me go and i kept on going and that was into that but oh. uh I mean so my heart was pounding let me tell you you know you
2: in the morning you did that Sup girl, <laughs> yeah. Sup hottie,
1: how you doing? By the I way, I like your
2: ride. <laughs> oh, you want to give me a ticket? All right. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, luckily I got out of it and I got to work on time. And
2: uh, oh, you want to put me in handcuffs? <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, I do I,
1: I but I do find women in uniform to be very attractive. I
2: thought but. you were going to say women in handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, that, yes, by the way, uh, I was forgot to tell you at our wedding, I wanted to actually have handcuffs instead of <laughs> rings. It almost is suitable for the, the wedding, but I get it. You know
2: what? <laughs> the ball and chain. You know. A, no, handcuffs or a ball and chain?
1: Well, ball and chain and the handcuffs. You know what I'm saying? Handcuffs are <laughs> the ball and chain.
2: That's so funny. I was just, um, I had a meeting with my, <laughs> with two of my clients this evening. We were on Zoom and we were chatting about, um, They were asking if I had any guidance on where they could go shopping for the groom's wedding band. And so (laughs) I was asking him, that's when I was calling you out of the office. I called you over to show them yours. And I asked him, I was like, so do you have an idea of what you want? your wedding band to look like and he's like i was thinking barbed wire and i was like Ooh, oh oh barbed wire with a ball that- and chain etched on it and he was like <laughs> yeah the pain of marriage i <laughs> wow. started laughing i'm wow. like wow at least he's got a he- sense of humor about it well, are they actually, going to do that for real, like a barbed wire. Uh, did no. he did that? Now, are they? Didn't Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox? Didn't he like make her engagement ring have some kind of like thorns on it so that there was pain? I don't if know she took those
1: two. Those two crazy lovebirds are up to these days drinking each other's blood. Who knows what?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, relationship goals. <laughs> you
1: know, I mean that's the kind of that's kind of love Hashtag you really want till
2: the bitter end, <laughs> literally
1: physically. Crazy.
2: Oh my gosh, it's so crazy. Hey,
1: speaking of crazy, I've been sucked into this new show. Oh, on I don't Netflix.
2: even want
1: to hear about it. Ugh. Oh, I, I you know it's an older show, like well, not that old. It's been around since like two thousand nineteen, but it's on Netflix and I just discovered it like totally randomly on YouTube for some reason. It's called uh it's called uh Love Love
2: Death Robots, yeah, right? Lo- yeah,
1: Love, Death and Robots. Okay. I guess each show has some a theme of each one in each show.
2: A little bit of love or is it like the robots kill them?
1: It's in some episodes, yeah. It's like a each show has its own thing, so each episode is its own unique show. So nothing's tied to each other. It's not like a story. So they don't
2: have like recurring characters. It's like exactly. completely different.
1: Exactly. So you That's can jump bizarre. So you can jump in on any episode and like I jumped in in the middle of season three or season two, or whatever it was, and I didn't even know because like I said, each one it's its own story. The whole show is its own story.
2: That's so bizarre. How yeah. long are they?
1: They're not very, very short. They're like some are like ten minutes, and some are like seventeen minutes. How
2: do you get the whole story?
1: It's very good editing. It's very good storytelling. You, you, you know, if you think about it, there are some very miniature size, like People? like car, a car, yeah, that in the show Yes, <laughs> there are some miniature-sized movies. Like I think didn't on the beginning of Toy Story or some of those Pixar oh, movies. Oh
2: yeah, the Pixar shorts. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes.
1: Think of those. But very R-rated and very, like, gross and people dying and
2: Pixar! <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was a pirate one I watched, too, where this big, like, crab thing, like, attacks the, the pirate ship and, like, lives in the basement of the... Of I don't the- want
2: to hear this. I'm going to have nightmares.
1: Okay. Well, they are very... I think it's why I didn't sleep very well last night. And I think about it. I was watching a bunch of these last night.
2: It's because of whatever you fill your mind with.
1: They are very, like, Walking Dead-ish kind okay, of stuff. Okay,
2: yuck. Don't talk anymore. About it. That's gross.
1: Well, I thought I was am that. Very, Fantastic.
2: I am very sensitive to those types of things, like making me have bad nightmares. So.
1: Well, I'm sorry for bringing it up, but I've just been fascinated with the show since I just discovered it and I've started watching it and started binge watching it, you know, and I usually binge watch things very often. I remember the time I actually binge watched The Walking Dead. Yeah. To actually get caught up on the seasons because I was like, I think they were like going into season four and I had just started season one. So I like totally binge watch the first three seasons. Like every night after work, I'd watch them. Guess you had nightmares.
2: (laughs) Okay. So what does this say? I've I've asked this question before. What does this say about you as a person that you're drawn to like very gross and gross things about death and serial killers and zombies uh, uh, and darkness? mm -hmm. Like, is this your way of telling me that you're like. Alter ego is like an experter. No, I'm just saying. And you just pretend to be this happy go like <laughs> jokester. Well, you got to like, balance Do I just need like right? to stay on your good side? It's like the
1: guy at work who's
2: like, hey, boss, how you doing? I love being my job. I
1: love everybody here. And they get home. They like totally change gear. They change in some of their outfit. They're like, oh, I hate everybody, you know. And they're like painting crosses upside down on the wall. Okay, uh, like uh, uh, don't talk about
2: that. <laughs> you know, it's f- so funny that we're talking about this, like the people that are at their job and they're like super happy and then they go home because we went to dinner at Texas Roadhouse last night. Shout and, out, by the way. Yeah. Shout out to Texas Roadhouse. But all of their work. Workers have to wear these shirts that say on the back, I love my job. And I was like, what if you don't? What if you don't? And you have well, to wear that all shift long. Like well, That's torture.
1: Luckily for them, that logo, that saying is on the back of the shirt. So I don't get to see it really because they're in the mirror. They can't really see it, you know.
2: But I mean, don't you think that they could like I, I wait for the day when a Texas Roadhouse employee um, sues the company for emotional damage because they had to get ready every day and they had to wear a shirt that says, I love my job and they really didn't. And so made them think about, you know, that they were a liar and the company made them into a liar and that they couldn't live with themselves. I, Ooh, if you're a Texas Roadhouse employee and you don't love your job, I've just um, given you a clue to a class action lawsuit. Uh, That
1: might work. I don't know. But but are they emotional distress? Are they paying them in those uh, yummy bread rolls?
2: Oh, oh! They did. I was noticing on their screen that they have fundraisers now for schools, bread rolls, and gift certificates. Did you know that? No, I had no
1: idea. I thought Check that was that a out. great
2: idea. I love their bread rolls. I would they're, buy them.
1: Oh, they're delish! We were just scarfing them down last night, especially that cinnamon butter you put on there. I oh, know. oh my gosh! Do
2: you remember during the pandemic when we found out the Texas Roadhouse was doing um, pickup orders and they would send us with the rolls that were um, frozen? that we'd have to let them rise just a little bit. And so I could keep some in the freezer. I don't know if you remember that, but I remember that. And I like baked them at home and they sent us home with like a container of the cinnamon butter. And it's because Texas Roadhouse opened down here in our town, right at the height of the pandemic.
1: Which I felt bad for them too, because right at the head of the pandemic, this brand new restaurant, first they knock over the old restaurant that was there. Knocked it to the ground and then rebuilt this place. It was like
2: on the border or something, right? Right.
1: Yeah. Which is still a popular chain. Knock that place Not, down.
2: It's a nopular chain.
1: <laughs> so they knocked it down. They put in this Texas Roadhouse. I've never heard of Texas Roadhouse before. I didn't know what they even were. And they built it up and it was like, hey, grand opening. And we're shut down <laughs> because of COVID. And, the, but and then they, they put the big old
2: tent in their parking
1: lot. Man. But they were still busy with the tent.
2: Yeah, they were. You know what's so crazy? I was thinking about, honey, as we're talking about COVID is, do you realize that in like three short weeks, we are approaching the three-year anniversary of when COVID led to the shutdown? No way. It was March 2020. It sounded like it was just yesterday. I know. And you know what's so crazy is we're having a COVID outbreak at work right now. I was just telling you- um, that some of my coworkers went to this conference and they drop in like flies. I'm getting emails left and right tonight. And so it just reminds me, like, even though we're out of the major parts of COVID being so severe that we're, I mean, it's still severe for some people that it still hasn't gone away completely.
1: Has there been a major death toll still, the death clock or whatever they had on CNN? Remember the thing you used to have during yeah. covid Is it it still happening or what's the deal? I don't
2: think people are really tracking it as much anymore because it's not like it used to be, which is so bizarre to me because it went so rampant and so severe so quickly. And now it's like less severe, but it's still happening. And it just made me wonder, like, I thought that viruses get... Like when they adapt and they morph, that they get stronger instead of getting weaker. It's so weird.
1: You know, that's probably sounds like an episode of Love, love Death, Death, and, and robots. robots.
2: It's totally. <laughs> Which felt- one is it going to be? Love? I love you so much that I gave you my virus that I killed you. I think
1: I. I think I'm about uh, it. I think the episode. I have to get, check that one out. If they have that one on there. I'm sure they did. They really the stories are just like that, you know. Um, but uh, I just heard today that um, the actual. China, the laboratory confirmed. Oh, I
2: heard something. Tell me.
1: They confirmed that the virus was actually leaked from some China lab.
2: But like, how was it leaked? I didn't like, see that. Like in I the water. Saw, I just saw
1: the headline. I didn't see the actual like full story, but it just said that it was confirmed that it was, that it was leaked. It was actually TMZ broke it, so I trust TMZ. You know.
2: I, yeah, you know, because they're super reliable sources. Well, they
1: actually are, you know. I mean, they broke all the headlines in news. Who's dating who? They got it down first. You know
2: <laughs> who broke up with who? <laughs> this is very true. No, I saw it on, like, Apple News, but it was one of those um, paywalls that you have to, like, pay for Apple News to pay get for it. New-
1: yeah, I saw that, too. They do the thing with Apple stuff where, like, it's on, Yeah, it's on that news feed deal where you can get the samples of the episodes or samples. It's almost like podcasts. Samples of
2: the column or whatever, but then it's like you see the first three sentences. Well,
1: that's just all you really enough. need. It's all you need to go off of these days, just a title and a and picture. And then you just
2: come up with the rest of the story in your own. <laughs> yeah,
1: so let I me mean, come up with the rest of the story. So by the way, when they found the virus, uh, how they leaked it out of there was actually a monkey. No, don't and, say that. And the, and, the, and the
2: Why not? Because you're making up fake news and people are go- aren't going to listen to us. We are not making fun of a virus that killed so many people. We just need to too soon. Uh, uh, Okay. It's been three years, but it's still too soon.
1: Actually, as you, as you killed my joke, I was trying to say the plot line for the movie Outbreak, but okay.
2: Yeah. No, thank you. It was
1: a monkey in that movie, right? Yeah, it was monkey. Now he was the bad guy or the good monkey. I forget. They found the host, or I forget. Like they blew some town up or something. Now I'm
2: gonna have a nightmare about monkeys, and that's gonna be another episode of Love, Death, and Robots.
1: I, I think I did. Oh, there was
2: one about rats. Love, Death, and monkeys. Okay, no, <laughs> I, I'm towing the line on no more. Oh, oh, but oh, one other thing I did this weekend. Oh, tell me. Well, you know what I did because I did it for you out of my love and affection for you. Is what did I do in the garage?
1: You cleaned all the clutter. Actually, like in part of. Put a car in there again. I
2: did it. Wow. And did I have any help? No, you did all yourself, babe. Good Other job. And then you helping me put the Christmas trees up above, you left me to my own devices. I, by the way, was very hurt. Why? Because you left me and you were like, I got to go. I got to go get the kids. And you didn't even invite me to go to, d- to lunch with you guys.
1: What, today or yesterday? Yesterday. Where did we go to lunch lunch yesterday?
2: Oh, I don't know. I- you took off and you left and you took the kids and you were gone. And you left the little uh, person me at home to clean up after everybody else's messes, and I didn't even get invited. Oh, sorry, but I didn't know if you wanted to go with us at In-N-Out Burger, but I didn't get invited. Well, do you want to go In-N-Out tomorrow? Nope, See, I'm you... working tomorrow. See, I invited you. And... I get Urbane Cafe tomorrow for lunch. Oh, I'm very fan- excited!
1: Fantastic. Now, for those who don't know, what is Urbane du- Cafe?
2: Urbane Cafe, it's a place, it's like a fast casual restaurant here in San Diego. And I think they have a couple of locations in other areas of Southern California, but it's really great because they make their own bread, but it's not like, um, it's not like a hamburger bun bread. It's kind of like focaccia bread. It's so good and they bake it fresh. So it's almost, it's flatter. It's a little bit denser. But, oh, my gosh, their sandwiches, their salads are so good, and it's healthy stuff, and, oh, Urbane Cafe is so delicious. So it's
1: like sandwiches and soup, right?
2: No no soup, sandwiches and salads. It's like Panera Bread. No, don't put them at that level. Oh, sorry. It's like- (laughs) I'm so sorry. It's like gourmet and gourmet bread.
1: Oh, I got you. You're looking forward to that tomorrow.
2: I am. We're having the training tomorrow, and the catering is coming from Urbane Cafe, um, and we're having panera for breakfast, so bread all day long.
1: Look at that, yeah. fantastic! Well, is there anything else happening this week, baby?
2: Um, not really. Just you know, with my work stuff tomorrow, we're getting ready for you know it's this big, like I was saying, it's like this countywide project, and it's requiring us to do a lot of work around like understanding our district needs and figuring out how to support them. And it's requiring us to do a lot of collaboration and collaborative thinking and collaborative planning. And, you know, I was just thinking about because we had this really great guest that we're going to hear from shortly about some different skills around collaboration that really were helpful for me as I was getting ready to prepare for this Um, presentation and this work with with these districts. And I think our listeners are really going to like him.
1: Well, that is fantastic. Well, speaking of him, we have our fantastic VIP guest speaking all about collaboration coming to us from the land down under.
2: And we'll be back with him right after this.
1: Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podtastic Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is Podcasting Made Easy. How easy? Well, so easy you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podcasticaudio.com slash easy.
2: And welcome back everybody. Today we have another fantastic VIP guest. He is an author, speaker, and master in professional communication. Welcome to the show, Peter Anthony. <laughs>
0: G'day, Chris. G'day, Christine, from Manly in Sydney, Australia.
2: Hey,
1: how's the weather in Australia? You guys are a day ahead, right?
0: Yeah, we're we're just coming off the end of summer, so it's about 34 degrees Celsius, which I can't remember how to translate that back into about Fahrenheit 70 degrees, I warm. think, is it?
2: I don't know. I can never do the math. I can't figure out if it's two and a half, three and a half, or seven degrees for <laughs> everyone for Celsius.
0: It's two and a bit times that, so it'd be, I don't know, 100-ish. Oh, wow! warm, nice. humid. We've just, just come off a, a season of floods because two or three El Nino weather systems decided to join up and dump rain on us for four or five months. So usually this time of the year, we get lots of bushfires. But this year, because of the flooding last year, everything's wet. So no bushfires, which is fantastic.
2: Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because over on this side of the pond, we have had some, they called them atmospheric rivers. So se- kind of... After um, after bursts from El Nino, but we had several weeks of these atmospheric rivers that dumped tremendous amounts of water in California where we're based. And so there's been a lots of flooding and actually it's been quite a rainy day today. So opposite weather. Yeah, we got the
1: rain today. You know, I was hoping that the rain would just turn around. We might see some sunshine, you know, but it, didn't uh, happen. it snuck back up on us and it got rain all over again. Gosh.
2: Now... Peter, living in or near Manly Beach, are you a surfer?
0: I'm a surfer and an ocean swimmer and a kayak paddler. I love anything in the water, especially when it's raining. Christine, there's nothing quite like being in the ocean when the rain's pouring down because you can't get wet, right? Because you're wet already. <laughs> right. It's just it's magnificent. Like around dawn, I mean, it drives my my wife nuts because i like I like swimming as the sun rises because as i As I turn to my left. Uh, I can just see a huge red and yellow ball on the ocean just mm-hmm. rising up, and the ocean's nice and gray. It's just uh, the most beautiful place to swim in the world. And I've been to San Diego, so I, I know- I Oh, know really? What, You've been over here, just, huh? I have, yeah. For, for, for my sins, clients fly me to uh, places like that to um to run programs for them, so- yeah, I've been uh, up and down. I've also been up north to uh, the Monterey Peninsula, I think it was called. Oh, yes. Clear Eastwood Country.
2: Yeah, Monterey, Carmel area, definitely beautiful. Carmel,
0: yeah, that's Clear Eastwood was the mayor there. And I, mm-hmm. I got a chance to play some golf on uh, a Beach. US Open golf course at Pebble Beach, mm-hmm. which was awesome.
2: It's definitely beautiful. So I'm sure you got to venture on to the 17 mile drive, which is where Pebble Beach is located. It's beautiful up there.
0: Yes. I, I managed to, a friend of mine and I drove up and he, he allowed me to drive. But the bizarre thing is you guys, not just the wrong side of the road, but the wrong side of the car.
1: Uh, that's how <laughs> it works. Yeah. You guys are sitting the in the passenger the seat
0: driving on the wrong side, which I'm fine, but until I get to a roundabout. Oh, that's again. yeah. <laughs> Because I'm the wrong side of the car, wrong side of the road. I just kept going round and around and around <laughs> and around, trying to get out of this thing. It took us a that's, little bit of extra. It was a a long leisurely drive. Let's put it that way. That's funny. Have
1: you seen those new cars you are coming out with Peter? That are like the driver seats in the middle of the car. What? Yeah, I saw one. There's a no. billboard for one on the by my work today. I think it's like a small, like electric kind of deal to kind of like like a small car kind of thing. And it's like the seats in the only one person car seats in the middle. That'll kind of throw it's like me Like a bumper up. car, maybe, or a go kart, perhaps. But
2: oh, yeah, it's kind of wow. weird
1: because whatever side of you the road you're on, it wouldn't make a difference if you're on your side of the you know the street or our side <laughs> of the street <laughs> in the middle of the car,
0: yeah. right? I want to get I get one of those one of those cars, Chris, that uh, that Elon Musk makes that uh, not only drives itself, but what I like about it is it finds car spaces. Oh, the so Tesla's? A, a friend of mine's got one, and we drive it like a multi level car park, and it knows where the car spaces are. And he can press a button and it parks itself as well. No way!
2: I've heard I about like that people that can like beckon the car out, like if it's parked, that they can like press a button and it unparks itself and comes to pick you up.
0: It comes to you, yeah. It doesn't need a driver at all, Christine. You can. It just drives itself. What's in the fact, fun it's... In that? You know. depends what sort of car. I guess if you got a like, we we drove up to Carmel in a in a Mustang, which was very cool. There we you hired go. hired Mustang. Uh, now, I can't imagine like a, a driverless Mustang because you want to hear that grunt and get the hair, like the air of whatever hair you've got left, in my case, and <laughs> enjoy the ride.
2: So the Tesla, I'm guessing, is the car that you're referring to that Elon Musk makes. Do they have yes. the steering wheels and everything on the Australian side of the car? Or do they come they to you here. fitted for yeah, the American? They, okay. they
0: do here. On the Australian side.
2: All
0: right. <laughs> or actually, Japan side too. <laughs> is it's, it Japan too?
1: Yeah. I think,
0: I think it's also the English side. I think in England, it's also on that side it of the car. It is too. It's, right. it's so we're the US. <laughs> I
1: think, I think, now is the US the only place that has it the other way around, other than maybe Canada? I think so. Well, Canada and Mexico, I think, do also. I think they are the same way. But they also use the kilometers. We use miles per hour over here. You guys use kilometers oh, yeah. too. too. Yeah, so it throws yeah. everything. And the liters for you guys at the gas station. You guys go, liters, much <laughs> gas you put in your car.
0: Yeah. But Chris, you've got to drive further when you drive a mile than when you drive a kilometer. It's a lot it's, further.
2: Yeah, this is true. Definitely. It's a lot, lot further.
1: I used to run uh, cross country back in the day, races on foot, and I did the 5K race a lot cause that was five kilometers, which came out to like 3.1 miles, but I had to figure that out. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, 5K sounds like, oh, I did 5K. Check that out. Point of three miles though.
0: 5K. <laughs>
2: So important yeah, question.
0: I, I, think, I think that part of the world is as close as possible to Australia. I, I think of like the the west coast of the US. I think it's probably the most like the Australian coast. It's very similar. It's like almost like being at home.
2: Absolutely. So important question. What's more, a yes. pound or a kilogram?
0: What weighs more? A kilo. A kilo weighs more than a pound. I, okay. think, I think a kilo is about… pounds.
2: So when I'm doing weight loss, I prefer to measure in pounds because then it feels like I've lost more than if it was a kilogram. And then. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, okay. Demystify something for me. So I know there's, you know, in many of the metric system countries, there's different phrases, but somebody recently said, that they lost a stone. What is that? When somebody refers to that in a measurement system, is that a term that you're familiar with in Australia?
0: Yes, I, I do. I'm familiar with that. That's 14 pounds is a stone, oh. the English stone.
2: Okay. When somebody said they lost a stone, I was thinking that that was like a medical condition, like a kidney stone or something.
0: <laughs> well, I <laughs> they could was have thinking... lost a kidney stone, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah in it. terms of weight, it's it's about yeah. I think it's 14 pounds from memory because. I've spent a bit of time in the UK, too, and they use pounds and stones, not kilos.
2: Well, so, Peter, you're joining us from Australia today. Uh, Have you lived in the beautiful country of Australia your entire life?
0: I I hate to admit it, Christine. I was born in Manly Hospital. Oh. I still live there. In the hospital? Pardon? (laughs) In the hospital itself? (laughs) No, I don't live in (laughs) the Hospital. I didn't graduate out of the hospital. I'm still a baby. Wow, there's another world much. out there. You can check it out. I know. I'm going to get out of the maternity ward yeah. uh, eventually. <laughs> no, I, uh, it, it, and the bizarre thing, oh, the, the interesting thing, I was just talking about swimming. And I swim from a, a beach called Manly Beach, which is a surf beach, to a, a smaller sort of uh, more protected beach called Shelley, uh, Shelley Beach. And there's a walkway that goes between those beaches. And that walkway was the first place that my mother and my dad kissed my mum.
1: No way. Awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah she, he was a manly boy. She was a country girl. She came from the south coast, from a lumberjack family in the south coast of New South Wales. She was up with her best friend, Victoria, uh, on, a, uh, on a holiday uh, for a week or so. She went to a, a local, uh, we call them pub or hotel or bar, uh, and uh, met my dad. And my dad took her for a walk between Manly Beach and Shelley Beach. And that's the first place he kissed her. So it's, uh, it's a very special place for me.
2: Wow, that's amazing. You don't meet very many people, even those that we've interviewed from Australia, that have grown up and still continue to live in the same place. Now, with that being said, have you traveled very much outside of your little city? Are you an international traveler?
0: (laughs) Well, it depends when you're talking about Christine. Up until I was 16, 15 or 16, I hadn't even caught a bus. I walked to primary school, walked to secondary school. All my friends lived in a couple of streets around me. Uh, but since then, <laughs> uh, I guess ideally, uh, I've managed to travel to most places in the world. Uh, I personally, and I've also worked in 12 different countries. Wow. So- and I, what, I, what I like to do too is uh, have like little breaks off the back of a, a working trip. Like I, I got a trip five years ago to Cairo in Egypt and I worked there for 10 days and while I was there I worked with a lot of the locals obviously uh, and I said, what's your advice? Where should we go? Because the best advice to get in terms of travelling is from the locals. Right. So I'll, I'll do a, like a short trip myself for a couple of days to check things out and then uh, invite my wife for a, a trip because I've got it. Rather than reading a travel brochure, you can get it from the locals.
2: Oh, that's amazing. Now, with all of these different places that you've traveled, whether it's for work or for fun, what would be your top three favorite places that you visited?
0: Top three favorite places, I'd say Isle of Iona in Northern Scotland, Mm. which is a gorgeous little island, which is the first place England got conquered through when the Vikings uh, came through. Uh, Wow. It's a it's a little island. It's got like one little uh like cottage hotel that's got about ten beds in it. You're looking straight uh north and north uh what is it northeast um, across the North Sea. It's just a beautiful, beautiful remote place. It's hard to get to, but it's well worth the visit. That would be one special place. Oh. The opposite end of the scale would be would be Shanghai. Mm. It's a that's that's an awesome city in China. It's an awesome blend of oriental and, and asian meets western so it's it's hugely advanced and modernized but still got it's kept all of its uh, it's uh, local chinese culture nice uh, yeah i heard of shanghai it's nice yeah shanghai is an awesome place it's uh there's got a a river called the bund that runs through the middle of it and it's it's just a a great it's got great nightclubs and bars and restaurants it has awesome daytime activities they've got the high speed rail oh that's uh, right that yeah they they build in straight lines, which goes super fast. So that'd be my second, uh, and I think my third would be Carmel. Oh the yes, right. For the, for the people for the golf course. I mean, I got the chance to play on Pebble Beach. I was with a a couple of very close friends, so it was uh, that was that was awesome. That was awesome.
2: It's definitely a really beautiful place. Very picturesque, very serene.
1: A lot of postcards come out of there, I believe, (laughs) I think.
2: Definitely lots of, (laughs) you know, beautiful scenery and beautiful beaches. Now, definitely the water is not the warmest up there. So I don't know if you ventured out to do any type of surfing or water sports, but it's quite chilly over there. Yeah,
1: full wetsuit required.
0: (laughs) Christine, I like it. I like it cold. Oh, do you? I like it cold. I don't like warm water. I like it cold. Um, there's, uh, and I, I know now why, because I, I stumbled across this guy called Wim Hof and the Wim Hof Method, and he talks about ice therapy and cold therapy, and everyone thought he was a, uh, he was a bit of a lunatic, but uh, he's since been proved uh, correct that there are really uh, awesome physiological medicinal benefits of being in cold water or being like in ice. So I like it cold.
2: Right, there's like the big movement for cryotherapy and ice baths and things like that, and it just—I like cold water to a certain extent, but I don't know. Sometimes the ocean water here in California is very brisk.
0: (laughs) Yeah, once you once that—that's just cool. You want to go cold, but once you go cold, you won't go back, Christine.
2: Really, do you kind of acclimate to it after the first few minutes to where it doesn't feel so cold?
0: You you, you acclimate. (laughs) A lot of of my mates are into Wim Hof. And in fact, uh, I'm seriously considering buying an ice bath for home because it's a bit hard. If you're going to take an ice bath, you've got to go and buy the ice, put it in the bath, fill it up. It's it's a a pain. It's a process, Uh, it sounds like. It's a real, a real hassle, and the, the, guy, the, the guys at the gas station think that you're nuts when you're buying 10 bags of ice to put in your bath. <laughs> right. I think you're a little bit crazy, and they're probably right. But you can buy them now. You can buy that like the – it's almost like a barrel you sit in, and it, you can set it for the morning, and you get up and have like an, an ice-cold plunge. In fact, one of your fellow podcasters, Joe Rogan, does that every morning.
1: Really? Yeah, I see him do that on Instagram.
0: Yeah. He he's he's got one of these uh, ice baths. He hops in every single, and he, he says that's the best way to start the day. And I've got to agree with Joe.
2: Yeah, well, I think that that would be a very uh, interesting way to wake up in the morning. <laughs> Definitely puts a little uh, hair on your chest. Not that that's something that I would want, but you know. But I wonder the people that
0: them. live
1: in Minnesota right now are saying ice baths. Go outside. <laughs> my goodness, walk walk down
0: my street. That's <laughs> <laughs> all you need. <laughs> well that, that's what Wim does I think Wims was originally in Holland and he's moved over to Poland he's bought this house on a like a freezing creek next to a mountain and he just he gets his people in his workshops to to get the theory then jump out into the pond and then to graduate they've got to just walk up this uh, snowy mountain in their in their swimsuits
2: Yeah. You know what? This is called in the US, it's called a polar bear plunge. And it's something that I did when I was younger. And I would go to winter camp up in the mountains and it was near this lake. And they'd be like, we're going to do the polar bear plunge. And it's like you run in. With your bathing suit, you have to dunk yourself all the way under in the freezing cold water, and then you have to get back out, and you know, then you wrap up. But not sitting in it for prolonged periods of time. So you have my respect for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it, it gets it gets easier, Christine. It gets easier. The first bit's the hard bit. The first maybe thirty seconds or so, and then your, your body just gets acclimated, and it, it feels it feels. You, you'll never feel as good as after an ice cold bath.
2: Absolutely. Well, you know, Peter, thanks for sharing so much about a little bit of your background. Chris and I are really excited to learn more about your professional background as well as you have, I think, some really sage advice for all of us that are entrepreneurs and that are just trying to get better about communication. So before we kick into what you're famous for, why don't you tell us a little bit about your professional journey?
0: Well, my journey has been a, a, an interesting one, Christine. I I did a an economics degree, and uh, joined IBM originally. Uh, back in the day when they gave you a year of sales training when you when you're first uh, recruited, and I thought that's a great idea. I, I, I want to do uh, I want to do business. It'd be great to learn how to sell, and in that, I was put with a a mentor. Uh, and what I found was when I first joined i I was selling easily with my mentor we were having we were uh, having a lot of success and we were uh, like registering for like what they call golden Circle and hundred percent club mm-hmm. and I found the longer I, I got through uh the, the sales year or that the sales training that the less I sold and it began to dawn on me that uh i 'm not sure this selling thing really works what and that was like the like well uh, why uh well, there's a couple of reasons. Why have you ever let me ask you a question, Chris? Have you ever been sold to?
2: Uh probably. I mean I would think Okay, let me tell you, Peter. Wait, he wait is a second. the most gullible person. No. He's the most <laughs> gullible person on the face of the planet. When we go into the um there's every summer there's a fair in um, San Diego area, the county fair. And they have this exhibit hall that has all of these small booths and kiosks. And it's, you know, like the infomercials on TV and it's like, this can magically take, you know.
1: It slices, it dices, it does your laundry. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And then he comes home. I love home those guys that pitch that stuff, though. I love And he buys
2: all of it because I have the evidence <laughs> of <laughs> it in my house. <laughs> so, yes, oh, he's God. been sold too, and he buys I'm, it all.
0: <laughs> I'm exactly the same. I'm a sucker for that. I, I uh, went to a, um, uh, a, a party, if you call it a party, recently this uh, – I went with a uh, as a partner uh, to my wife, and I was selling these, I think they're called Thermomixers, which are like $3,000 food processing machines. And before I went, I thought, who in the world would buy a Thermomix? It's nuts, <laughs> right? And, of course, at the end of the the re- end of the session, I ended up signing up for a Thermomix. <laughs> we've got this like $2,500 glorified food processor. Wow. Which is, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> it, you shopping awesome, for you too? But, <laughs> It's so complicated, though, Chris. It is. It almost a, like like a, a SpaceX degree to understand how this thing works. And I only use it for very simple things because I, I haven't got the the brains to work at how to run this thing like it's supposed to run. So I, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker. What I'm thinking about though, like when you when you feel like you're being sold to, uh, you think, well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna become a buyer. I'm going to be, do what a buyer does. And usually when you're a buyer, you tend to like distance yourself from the people that are selling to you. You tend to get a bit cynical about what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll put like downward pressure on price because you want a good deal. And uh, what I found, that, I guess that was the beginning of the journey. I just found this selling thing didn't work, but I didn't have an alternative. I then spent I moved from selling into advertising and spent almost 10 years working with three global advertising agencies, working on the big brands like the McDonald's and the Nikes and, uh, and the like. And then I started my own consulting business because I was told, you know what, Peter, you you should do this yourself. So I thought, yeah, OK, I've learned all about selling from IBM. I've done that really well. I've done the advertising really well. Psh, not Nothing can go wrong. I'd recently got married, had a couple of little babies, uh, and uh, so I thought, yep, I'm going to go out and teach people how to sell." And I came within a hair's whisker of going broke. Really? Wow. Like uh, like very, very close. We had a big mortgage. Uh, my My wife wasn't working. she was caring for our our two children. there's five now. Uh, but in those days, there was, there was two. and Of course, that was causing a bit of concern with her. She thought, wow, you know, I've, I've had these babies. This guy's out running his business. He's attempting to teach people selling and it didn't work. And what I had to learn uh, very quickly, uh, what dawned on me when I was just sitting in a, uh, an, an Emirates uh, airline lounge one morning on, on, on the way to a, a, a client workshop, and it dawned on me, I thought, what if I do the opposite? So if selling doesn't work, maybe the opposite does work. Buying everything? Everything the opposite, everything the opposite. But the
2: opposite of selling selling is is buying. buying. So So did you buy everything?
0: No, the the opposite of selling is collaborating. Huh? (laughs) (laughs) You just threw a wrench in Christine's brain. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just throwing a wrench in your brain. I can (laughs) can hear it rattling, that big wrench. That's a horrible metaphor, isn't it? This (laughs) wrench in the head. But uh, yeah, it's the opposite because uh, I don't want people to buy or sell uh, what, because if, if, if I'm only buying from someone selling something to me, uh, what, what I found, uh, what I found that I, I went back to college and did the, did the master's in this, uh, and what I found was that if you think of the opposite of, of selling, uh, it, works, it works on both sides because so, most, most of the environments I'm working in are, are business-to-business sales environments mm. primarily. And you think, okay, well, the clients that are your clients, if you like, or the companies that are your clients, uh, they benefit from a collaborative relationship as much as the the so-called selling organization does. And particularly if you're engaged in a, a higher ticket item, whether you're selling engineering consulting or computers or whatever it may be. Uh, what we found and what the research suggests, and the most recent research I saw was from Wharton Business School and they, they called it client-centricity or customer-centricity and, and they researched, I think it was like two and a 3,000 organisations around the world and they found the companies that had the, the client or the customer at the centre of the relationship, the centre of the business, were the ones that experienced the most profitable growth. And that's just a different way of saying uh, we we collaborate now. This took me a couple of years to develop, with the help of of many clients uh, who I was working with. And one client, you'll love. I I worked with them in the UK. Uh, they're a large engineering consulting firm, and the, the head of the UK was coming back to Singapore to do some uh, do some work with me. And I met him in I met him at his office in Singapore. And he came into his office and he was furious. I said. Uh, What's going on? I'm like, why are you so angry? He said, look, I just, um, I uh, got a car from the airport and uh, I parked it in the front of the building here. It's just said, you know, senior executive CEO parking. I said, what's wrong with that? And he said, because the customer car parks are at the back of the building. Oh. And, and what we are telling our customers is that you are at best the second rate people in this business because uh, all the senior execs were at the front and he demanded and got his way that all the customer parking was at the very front of the building because he wanted them to get the impression immediately engaging with them as an engineering consulting firm that clients and customers were number one. That's how they do it here too,
1: I think. We do have uh, businesses that they they will have that dedicated um, clients or customer parking spaces right in front. Isn't that right, Christine?
2: Some of them do, but like I work in education and, you know, it's not uncommon when you pull up to a school site to see like the very first parking spots are the head of school, the principal, the assistant yes. principal, the yeah. library media teacher, and then you have staff.
0: And, and the then assistant there's librarian like- and Right,
2: <laughs> and there may be like oh. two spots for parents or guests up front, yeah, and we then parked rest... on
0: a, a lower dirt lot. <laughs> parents, <laughs> basically,
2: do. but that yeah. does—I never thought about what message that sends.
0: Well, it, it gives the message that uh, the principal's the most important person in the school. would right. they're absolutely not. They're absolutely not, and that's, you, th- you can think of any any organization like that. So, and, and he uh, he with me developed this. Uh, this method that I now call Collaborate Abra or the magic of collaboration. And it works for cultures, it works for teams, it works for individuals, and it even works in romantic relationships. And I know through looking at uh, your podcast and, and loving it that uh, initially uh, this was a lot more about relationships and if you if you look at the most successful uh, romantic relationships, they're collaborations and the, the John Gottman at Washington State University has done some great work on this. Uh, and he just gets couples to sit on the couch and talk to each other, mm-hmm. and he content analyzes the conversation, and he can predict whether that couple will still be together in five years just by how they're talking to each other. Oh wow! He's looking for what he calls the five horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> Whoa! So it's it, it works it, it works in romance too. It works in uh, in relationships as well. It's, wow! Because essentially a essentially a, a marriage is it's a collaboration. I mean it's a it's an awesome collaboration, but essentially it's a collaboration.
2: So, when you, Peter, when you talk about collaboration, two different things come to my mind. So, I think of two different definitions of collaboration. One is the a social media influencer approach to uh, interacting with brands to secure discounted or free content in exchange for exposure. And they refer to that as collab or collaboration. And then the other definition of collaboration is around communication. And so immediately when you started talking about sales, I went to, oh, he's talking about people figuring out how to get stuff for free and like free marketing. But it sounds like when you're talking about collaboration, you're actually talking about the communication aspect, which is kind of like puzzling to me. Like, can you tell us more about how collaboration is similar to sales?
0: Well, it's, well, it is. It, it isn't the the social media variety, uh, because uh, that's purely a, a commercial transaction between those parties, and the loser is typically the listener, mm. because they're they're being like, if I'm if I'm Kim Kardashian and I'm going to promote. A, a brand, of perfume, or a handbag, or whatever whatever it is I'm promoting, I'm doing that for me, not for you. You might enjoy the handbag or the whatever she's promoting, but she's doing it more for herself than. No, than the, is the, 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 she the, really? The <laughs> Man, yeah, I think so, Chris. I think yeah, they're very successful at it. Though she's got a billion dollar business right. by, all by herself, so that's I'm not it. I know. Uh, what, what I'm talking about, though, is a commercial relationship a commercial relationship between one organisation and another, where uh, a supplying organisation, if you like, whether you're supplying consulting services or engineering services or or cars or whatever it might be you're providing, you decide to put that particular client uh, at the centre of your business. And ideally, the client you're working for puts their client at the centre of their business. And uh, the good research suggests that uh, that you will have, you will both get better outcomes if you're in a long-term relationship. Like if we're fighting over a, if, if we, we catch ferries to and from, from Manning to the city and back, if you're the last ferry at night and you're trying to get on the, the last seat in the ferry, it might, it might encourage you to shoulder somebody out of the way or just push in front of someone because you're never going to see that person again potentially. Mm-hmm. But, it, but if you are involved in a longer-term relationship, you're both better off. So, uh, and a lot of people call this a sales relationship, uh, what I call it is a is a client-centric relationship. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, it absolutely does. So um, I'd love to like get some more specific examples. And I was mentioning right before we started recording that Chris and I are both entrepreneurs. So in addition to our main jobs, we are involved in like service related industry types of businesses. So, Chris's is in podcast production and engineering services, and mine is in wedding and event production. And so, how could we apply the principles of your model that you referred to, like Collabra Cadabra, to either one of our contexts?
0: I'll take weddings.
2: Okay. I'll take weddings for two. <laughs> I'll,
0: ta- I'll, take wed- I'll take weddings for two. That's like Saturday Night Live. I love that Will Ferrell, Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. that's, 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 that's still rings in my brain. I love that guy. So, so I've never worked in a wedding space, so forgive me if I don't understand it properly. I've only done it once. That's okay. I, and I don't really plan to do it again. <laughs> But okay, you well, you, but you've been
1: to weddings, uh, I assume, right? You you've seen how they're done, I, I, right?
0: I, I, I've been to weddings, and I know I know people. I, actually, it's interesting. M- my eldest daughter, uh, my eldest daughter's partner's mother—that that makes any sense. Right. She runs a bridal gown business. <laughs> oh, okay, so so I've got a little bit of inside knowledge, right? I, okay, if if, if if I if I was advising you, Christine, uh, on on a, a client centric or collaborative approach to the the wedding and event business. What the first question I'd be asking you is, um, who is your ideal client, and and the answer wouldn't be brides. The answer would be a very specific type of bride. And if you're interested in profitable revenue, mm-hmm. looking at looking at brides that are are interested in uh, in something quite special, something uh, the most memorable day of their lives, which I'd, ideally it would be. Think, okay, who is she? Uh, who is my ideal client? So I'm imagining most of the clients are going to be uh, uh, brides. And the second question to ask is, how do, I make, how do I make ourselves or our business more ideal for them? And uh, uh, what you're doing there is looking at, um, I mean, all the client research I see and I'm imagining brides would be the same. The exit research suggests the, the, the client, the organisation should provide the best client service. It's not about products, it's not about price. Uh, the phrase they use is, I like somebody with a unique understanding of my needs and mm. my environment. And that, mm-hmm. that unique part is is crucial. And uh, once you get that unique part, you can start crafting a value proposition with them, not to them. And I'd recommend bring some ex-clients in. Uh, to a meeting, invite I don't know ten x ex- people that you've worked with, or ten people that were happy, and even the ones that are unhappy, and say, look, uh, uh, not not satisfaction, not how satisfied were you with us, um, but um, think of all the parameters of an ideal relationship, of which there could be ten. And, and give it a marker between one and nine and say, okay, um, how did you experience us on this level? Like, you know, quality, timeliness, uh, cost effectiveness, of food, whatever the, uh, the event, venue, whatever all the pieces might be. And ideally, how would you like to experience us? And that's gonna help you craft a value proposition for your business, Christine, which is unique to Christine. It's valuable to the brides, and it's impossible to replicate by a competitor. And I would go hard on that. I'd go very hard. And I I would be, I'd be asking them, I'd be having lunch with them, having coffee with them, meeting them, uh, either that's one-on-one or as a group, and have that conversation with them. I do this regularly with clients of my clients. I run facilitated workshops with their clients to help my organization uh, understand how to become more ideal. Because I go to boardrooms all the time, Christine, full of people sitting down trying to predict what. The customers looking for, and the customers are the ones that understand their needs potentially the best. And the the last thought I'll get to leave you with there is that satisfaction will kill you.
2: Tell me more. You know,
0: Mick Jagger saying something about "I can't get no satisfaction." That's a song from customers because what the research also suggests is that eighty percent, eight zero percent, of customers that are satisfied with their with their service provider is happy to change provider. Mm-hmm. So satisfaction's not enough. Now, I'm sure if you guys said to each other, you know what, guys, let's have a satisfactory marriage. I'd like to be a satisfactory husband to you. That wouldn't last long. Tell me, Christine, can't be said satisfactory. To my kids. <laughs> <laughs> you're looking for a lot more than satisfaction, right? You're looking for something that's, Spectacular. that is unique. that. That delight that really delights you. Think, well, how do we go about doing that? And we, we ask them. Look, and I'd say to them directly. I say to my clients, look, I'd I'd like to be. My goal is to uh, for you to have an ideal experience in working with me. Mm-hmm. How can I make what I'm doing more ideal for you? And then if it's too far outside uh, my my skill set, then I could then an ideal client because I, I like to I like to um to niche down or you guys call it niche down and get. <laughs> yeah. Really, really good, really, really good, at providing excellent value to the clients that i'm I'm working with, because the you've got a huge sales force, Christine. Every bride you've worked with is your sales organization, and oh, look their, at that their mums and their family mm-hmm. that's your sales organization. You want her selling you so you should go and talk to Christine. It was awesome. Why was it awesome? Well, this and this and this and this, yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I like how you were referencing that term of niche down. Chris and I have been talking about that. And I've been working with a marketing firm and with a business coach to help me get really clear on who my ideal client is and how my company is aligned with attracting the ideal client. And what I was realizing is that I was creating a one size fits all approach to my business, which was allowing me to get a really steady flow of uh, clients coming in, but I was serving individuals that weren't my ideal client, which was leading to frustration and Oh, let me re-
1: tell you, we've had some serious horror stories. <laughs> but Christine's we've but, it's a, <laughs> great, Zillas, you but know. it's a
2: great business. And so <laughs> the getting clearer on what who composes that or comprises that ideal client is important. And I think because Chris has just been uh, on the earlier end of starting his business, Chris, have you been able to really get clear about who your ideal client is and pursue that niche with like collaborating with individuals in that space versus feeling like transactional sales?
1: Well, as you said, I am still starting out in this whole journey here. I have one client and they've been very good for right now. And I'd like to get more, but I do feel like I don't want to just take on anybody that it just has to be a particular person that's very passionate about what I do and loves what I do and can actually understand and grapple with the fact that having a podcast, an audio podcast that is put together well and sounds really good it can be very valuable to your business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And what I, what I'd suggest, Chris is, uh, if, if you're starting the business to, uh, to bring ideal clients or potential clients in your case into the tent and say, look, I'm really interested in creating an, an ultimate podcast experience, uh, for high net worth brands. And I'd like to build it with organizations like yours. Uh, uh, and ask them the same sorts of questions, uh, like because p- part of your pitch is an education pitch because podcasts are only just becoming, or organisations are only just becoming aware of how useful and valuable they really are. Mm-hmm. So if you can help them uh, really uh, get the value from from podcasting uh, and give them the advice and consulting as well as the technical skills, right, it's extraordinary. Yeah,
1: that's what I heard. I heard you got you got to sell them on the how. What what's in it for me? I guess is what it is. Kind of thing. How would it benefit them directly versus the actual podcast itself as a product?
0: But you, but you may not know, Chris, and I mean that with a, with a ton of respect. Uh, you you may not. I don't like whiffem because because that assumes like if I give you my whiffem, it assumes that that I know your business, and I don't. So it's, it's more about the collaboration approach is more about getting really curious about like what their brand and marketing goals are and getting really curious about what they are, why they're there, what uh, what their brand essence is, who they're attempting to communicate with, what sort of messages they're, they're attempting to instill in, in, in who. And then, then then when you've done that, you can say, well, that's really interesting because what I'm looking towards building can help you with the, the, uh, the, the part D of what you're looking for or part okay. B of what you're looking for. Let's have that conversation. I, I don't like with because because it, it assumes it makes a lot of assumptions. Uh, like and, and the sec- the second part I'd suggest is you can't be Toyota and BMW, you can't be both. If I walk into a BMW dealership, I don't want to see Toyotas. If, I'm, <laughs> if I were to buy a Toyota, I don't want to see the, get the sticker shock of looking at a BMW. This is true, very and true. BMW <laughs> showrooms look like BMW showrooms. They look expensive. They've got expensively dressed people there. They're in beautiful premises, a lovely Italian marble on the, on the floor. We go into BMW, it's more cheap and cheerful because it, it, they want to give you the impression this is not a, an expensive place to, uh, to engage in a motor car purchase. So you're got to work out who you are. And if I had a choice, I'd be BMW, not Toyota. I'd rather sell less luxury cars than a lot of low margin cars. That's exactly what Christine was talking about. Yes.
2: Preach. You're totally preaching to the choir right now, Peter, because the pivot that we've made with um, Christine Smith Designs, where we started out was, like I said, this kind of one-size-fits-all approach, but now we are a luxury brand, a luxury brand that's working with clients of a specific uh, desire for their wedding and a specific vision. And it took me a while to figure out that that was the niche, but- that was definitely what our business was more aligned with. Because but,
1: a lot of the, the cheaper ones will give you problems, right, Christine?
2: Um, I wouldn't say that per se, but it was just where I wanted the company to grow. But my question for you, Peter, is we've been talking about like the sales relationship, but do you help... Your clients with building their funnel to bring in more leads, or is it just once they're in front of you, how do you close the deal?
0: Well, I'm not just anti anti selling, Christine. I'm also anti funnels. Okay, so tell me more. I, I'm a, I'm a, I, I've I've read the I've actually got two books in my bookcase here by Russell Brunson and Com Secrets, uh, are all about funnels. And the reason I don't like funnels is uh, what that is suggesting is you've got 100 people coming in at the top and 10 people coming down at the bottom. So uh, what you've done is you've unsold 90 people to find 10. What I'd like to do is have a pipe, not a funnel, or a pipeline, not a funnel, and uh, make the decision early on who I'd like to join me in my pipe to produce the outcomes that we're both looking for so uh what I like to do is more work up front identifying who they are and understanding what an ideal relationship looks like for them. It's a little like dating i mean you you can you can go on a uh i've, I've got divorce mates that go on these dating apps and one of them uh is, happens <laughs> to be uh um happens to be an Italian, a Marco. And I said, well, how's the dating going so far? He said, great, Peter. I've got five dates a week for the next six weeks. I'm thinking, <laughs> well, that's 30 dates. That, that, that's such a waste of time and money and effort and emotion, right? Why not get more granular with, 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 what, with who you're looking for? Well, I don't know. Well, maybe you should find that out in advance and save the money and the time and the heartache. Going yeah, he he just, he just he's <laughs> he just feeding
1: women what he's doing.
0: He's just feeding women. Yeah, they get a free dinner. <laughs> that's, what, that's all he's doing. He's just making the women a manly bigger. That, that's unfair to say. He <laughs> <laughs> should be like, a, <laughs> I got a business card. I'm a woman feeder. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, yeah, we'll yeah Fred Neal, uh, just, just give me a call. He, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a lovely, lovely, lovely guy, and he's very dear to my heart for lots of different reasons. And he's a swimmer which is unusual for, a, for any, any Italian's listener. I don't usually love uh, ocean swimming so much. But, but it, it's, it's a similar analogy. You're not, you're not looking for 30 dates. You're looking for uh, one person that you could potentially create something special with, have a really special relationship with. And it's, it's useful to do that thinking in advance and, and get them engaged early. And if they say no early, great. But I'm, I'm anti-final. I, I don't like 100 leads down to 10 sales. I, the, I, my approach is the complete opposite. The complete opposite. And if your showroom looks like a BMW showroom, and your brand looks like a BMW showroom, potential BMW buyers will find you because they're looking for that. If I'm looking for a, if I'm looking for a really sophisticated, really well constructed, artistic uh, uh, bridal experience, I'm looking at, I'm looking for the best person who can help me with that. That's Christine. If you want the, if you want the the cheap and cheerful budget version, go and talk to Toyota Weddings. (laughs) 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 of Weddings. I love that. You're going to be quite, you're going to be quite sort of, uh, you're going to be quite not arrogant about that, but you have got to be quite, you're going to be quite obvious about that. This is who we are. I I wouldn't say luxury. Luxury can give me the sense that, you know, that's like a, a Rolls Royce. I don't really want a Rolls Royce. I, I want an awesome motor car, I feel proud driving, or I want an awesome wedding, I'm proud to invite you to, right? Because the wedding experience, it's about the bride and the groom, obviously, but it's also about all the guests and, and and the experience that they're enjoying at the venue and the food and the, the, the whole experience. It becomes the best day of your life, ideally, and true. that's what I'm here to deliver for you. Right. you can't get that for a Toyota price.
2: That's very true. And Although some
1: will promise that, but, you know-
2: well, it's something, it's something that I've been working on is, and I think that getting into this whole full, like the philosophy and psychology of being involved in a sales related business is the, I think that part of it's the imposter syndrome of if I price myself at this point and I engage in a relationship and I, I say that this is what the value is that I'm bringing, that's then also not sabotaging and discounting yourself so that you look Like you don't believe in your own product, in your own brand. And I think that's something that I've been working on. I've personally always in the past, not present, but in the past, I always struggled with sales. So like I in college did the selling of the Cutco knives, like the um, network marketing. And then I went into like the skincare on the side and I always hated where it's like, well, you need to build your funnel. You need to make your list of your first 100 people and get your first 100 no's. And I'm like, but I can't handle that much rejection. Like I really can't, I can't, I can't handle feeling that unsuccessful. So like, how do you coach people through the mindset of, of sales and collaboration?
0: It's a, that's a great question. Uh, the mindset needs to the, the, the three mindsets that the research suggests work. We've talked about one of them already, collaboration. Uh, the second mindset or second decision you make is being authentic, uh, being authentic in your brand uh, or authentic in, in what you're selling because what you're doing in establishing uh, Christine's uh, Christine's BMW bridal service is you are creating <laughs> followership.
2: And oh, yeah. you can't
0: create followership by being scared to talk to them. Uh, so, and it's you—you you generate followership by taking some advice from Brené Brown about being authentic and courageous. And mm-hmm. the way that she she describes courageous is she says it's about telling the story of who you are with your whole heart. So we'd need to wrap Christine up in this in this brand and say, "This is what you're buying. You're buying my level of care and attention to making this the best day of your life for you, for the groom, and for the whole bridal party." And that's my commitment. And and I would be I would be developing your story, your brand story, uh, if you like, uh, around that. Uh, the third part is being optimistic because people are more influenced by optimists. Uh, Optimistic, not in terms of what a great job you can do. It's optimistic about the level of outcome this bride can achieve through a relationship with you. And she will buy into that. She'll buy into that vision, if you like.
2: I think that's a great perspective for sure, because, you know, you hit the nail on the head is that building a wedding-related business, it's- It's not about me being the star of the show. It's like, if I'm doing my job well, then people don't even know that I'm doing my job because everything is so stress-free and seamless. They just see that you're a beautiful bride floating through your day and as happy as can be. And it's not about me. And like you were saying about the optimism of, oh, I'm so good. It's the, your wedding will be the purest reflection of your love because I've been able to come alongside of you and keep the focus on the right things. Yeah,
0: yeah. I like and what I what I do here at uh, Christine BMW – I hope you don't mind me calling it that <laughs> – Christine's BMW Bridal Service is that uh, it, w- we, we are committed to giving you a unique and valuable experience. Uh, we don't sell wedding packages. You can't sell a wedding package because your experience is going to be unique because your love that you want to celebrate on this day and commit to for the rest of your life is something that – is unique and needs unique expression and it needs to be celebrated in a unique way. And I'm here, I'm I'm Christine, I'm here to understand what that unique experience looks like for you and I'm fully committed to delivering it for you. That's my job. That's my job.
2: Well, Peter, congratulations. I think that with that interview, you just got yourself hired as the first official member of the Christine Smith design. Congratulations, Peter. (laughs) You're a a junior wedding planner now, Peter. I'm I'm,
0: I'm head of sales for Christine's bridal (laughs) BMW service. There you go. Nice.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, Peter, this has been super fascinating. And I know we talked a little bit about your company and a lot about what you do, but Um, Because I know that you have a lot more to offer to our guests in terms of your expertise. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you'd like for them to take away and any resources or websites you'd like to direct them to?
0: Well, the, the the resource is easy. The resource is my book. It's called Abra. It rhymes with Abracadabra because there's magic in collaboration. You could take a look at that on Amazon or wherever you like to um, to buy uh, buy your books. If you want to find out more about my approach to consulting, uh, whether it's b- in bridal businesses or podcasting <laughs> businesses or whatever it, whatever it may be, just uh, just type in Peter Anthony Consulting. You'll find me. I've got a YouTube channel. I've got a ton of stuff on my website, and uh, if it sounds of interest. By all means, reach out and we can talk.
2: Now, Peter, do you only work with large companies or do you have different uh, opportunities to engage with you around different levels of coaching so it's accessible to the small up and coming business?
0: Yes. Yes. That, that's a great question. Uh, I work with two types. I work with like large multinationals uh, in like as a consultant to them, but I also do one-on-one coaching and I run virtual workshops too. Nice! uh, So uh, I'm actually running one this Friday morning for some guys on the East Coast in the US. Uh, Just get a group of about eight people together, they're usually from different businesses, and uh, I take them through a a three-workshop series. Each workshop takes about two hours. And we we learn uh, you learn the strategy how to apply it in your business you learn the leadership piece how to lead it in your business and finally the 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 collaborative selling model and and how to apply it to your particular business whatever it might be and that's what I love doing hey here's the strategy but the the really key things the execution the strategy is only worth how well you can execute it so and I love doing that because I love like in weddings or, or bridal businesses like looking, here's the philosophy, here's how it applies. So Mm -hmm. if you're keen to have a look at that, uh, check out Peter Anthony Consulting or shoot me an email uh, or contact me through your show. I'd love to hear from you. Fantastic.
2: Well, Peter, this has been so insightful. Uh, thank you so much for using my company. It's actually called Christine Smith Designs as your sample <laughs> today, or we'll call it Christine's BMW bridal business. And I was thinking, Brides Marry Well, BMW. There you go. There, go. Trademark. <laughs> oh, there you go. The
0: BMW. I like that. If we're going to think BMW, think, I'm thinking for your business, Christine, think BMW. Oh, You're the BMW. I love that.
2: Mm-hmm. I really yeah. do like that so much but Peter this has been so much fun I know that it's already a Tuesday for you so we hope you have a great Tuesday thank you so much for, for being on the show and listeners we will put all of the links to the show notes well all of the links that Peter mentioned in our show notes including a link to purchase his book make sure you get it it's going to be good Peter thanks so much for being on the show today
0: absolute pleasure guys thanks Peter
2: If you love music and podcasting, now you can have both. Introducing the brand new K2 radio station, available 24-7 on the Live 365 app for free.
1: Specializing in rock and alternative music, we're talking bands like Coldplay, Nirvana, Muse, Imagine Dragons, and yes, even the Rolling Stones. They have all stopped by to drop off songs, and we even have brand new popular tracks added every single day.
2: Also on the free K2 radio station, we are hooting podcasting. Get the best of both worlds. Download the free Live 365 app or listen online at live365.com and type in K2 Radio.
1: You know, that was fantastic having uh, Peter on the show today.
2: Absolutely. I learned so much from his conversation around collaboration and his approach to collaboration. And I really have taken it to heart and I feel like You know, when he was talking about collaboration and relationships and then also professionally, uh, I don't know. It just makes me think about the way that you and I communicate in our relationship because, you know, we have our our marital relationship, our marriage relationship. But then we also have our business relationship with Christine Smith Designs and then our business relationship with the podcast. And sometimes it's hard when we're like, I mean, if you think about it, even though we have our own separate jobs, we're running a family together and two businesses together and if we're not careful, it can feel like too businessy in our marriage. And sometimes I get frustrated about that. And so I just need to we need to work on that.
1: Okay. Well drink up, baby. Drink up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That your way of telling me to simmer down <laughs> si- or sip it down? You know, you
1: know what? I've heard this long ago. Never tell a woman to simmer down. I think it's, especially when she's heated. It's, it's, it's. Like,
2: I have told you that. <laughs> oh no, it's God. not even simmer down. Cause you'll say, calm down. And I'm like, yeah. What's, what does
1: it do? It, it pisses you off.
2: <laughs> it like, it's like. It's like, hey,
1: I know what's going to put this fire out. Gasoline.
2: (laughs) And you're
1: throwing gas on the fire. You're like, hey, calm down. Calm down. And you're like. And then you kind of get fiery Yeah, to
2: all of you newlyweds out there or gentlemen that are starting to date a lady, if she's ever getting upset about something. Don't don't ever tell her she's overreacting, and don't ever tell her to take a chill pill or to simmer down or to calm down. Right, opposite effect right. immediately. Right,
1: right, uh, and never never use any uh, derogatory terms like "sweetie" or "sugar," pump, pumpkin, or "hey hey sweetie." That coffee would be I, I get coffee now, please. Especially when she's it's mad. It's not funny. Especially when she's mad. It's not especially
2: funny. It's <laughs> not laughing. It's never funny.
1: Especially when she's. You mad. You think
2: it's funny. So here's the thing, people. Chris thinks that jokes like that are funny, and he'll make those little jokes, thinking that people are going to find them hilarious, when he's the only one that finds them <laughs> hilarious, and everybody else on the face of the <laughs> planet finds it offensive. I'm, like I'm laughing on the inside. <laughs> no, you're laughing on the outside. You're still that kid. I love you dearly, but you still are that like. Awkward seventh grade boy that's trying to be the shock jock and get all of the oh, shocks. Yeah? And it's like, let me say that and see see how she reacts. I'm like, just don't, just be. be oh, a, come on now, be Play a kind along. human. Be cool, man. Be cool. That's always gonna say. <laughs> so not cool, dude. That's what the kids say. They're like, so not cool with the flip, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with the flip, dude. Well, you know, anything else you want to say, Chris? Anything you want to say? Well, our I listeners? want to say
1: thank you for listening to us today. We really appreciate you being here. We do this podcast for you, the listener. And we just say thanks, man. We appreciate being here.
2: Yeah, totally cool, dude. <laughs> <laughs> He's only such a California guy. You know what I just noticed? I'm sorry. I have to change the subject before uh, okay, this. Okay, okay. So I'm looking here around our studio and I'm noticing that your pen cup that you have on your desk is from it's like those graduation mugs that you get with your cap and gown from high school it was
1: like, <laughs> the one I got from Cap and in high school oh
2: my gosh how old is that
1: well you know what actually they actually uh made that with uh stone from mud they found on the ground they dug up from the pyramids that's how old it is uh
2: no but it's like <laughs> like 1900s it says i see 19- <laughs> the 19 19- <laughs> You graduated in the 1900s. Oh uh,
1: yeah, I mean you know steam trains and stuff. You know, let we get to school. You know, we, you know we hiked you know forever. You know, and uphill uh,
2: downhill. And, you, you know, the both snow. Ways, ways
1: uphill in the snow.
2: You yeah. know, <laughs> you 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 hiked up. Uphill both to school and away from school, it was a uh, uphill both times. Well, sure why not, you know.
1: <laughs> why not? And then, and then we want to hitch a ride. You know, I would stick my thumb out, and then of course, every single time we do that, the, the horse co- and carriage would come. It, it, like it would, it would always kick mud right on you. Uh-huh. I, I don't. Know, every single time you do that, always mud goes right over you, like you do in the movies, you know. And then you, you're you, so bizarre. And you have to like spit it out, like of out your mouth, like Ugh, yuck, I got mud on me. And then all of a sudden you like walk, and then you step in some horse what poop. A, what and-
2: story are you telling? You're This is so bizarre. I was simply asking you if that was really the mug from like way back in your graduation from high school. Yes, it was, okay. Oh my gosh, you look that's so cute. You keep it here. Well, I don't know what to do with that. I think I drink coffee out of it. Come on now. But you like keep it close to you like, oh, I remember the good days. To- I remember. I remember when I was at my peak. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, speaking of peak, when I told you that that <laughs> uh, that uh selfish uh picture I took back in uh, 2005 or whatever it was.
2: Selfish picture. No
1: Selfie picture.
2: <laughs> yes. Selfish picture. Okay. Everybody <laughs> before we go. Okay. We're on a roll now. This, this episode may go late. It's the mimosas of Christine. So Chris was like, did I ever show you that selfie of, of myself on this cruise? So Chris went on this cruise with his sister when he was like, I don't know, like 21 or 24. No, I was like 30 by the way. Well, he acted like you were like 21. Of course he did, and he bro. has like this button up shirt. That's like, open a couple of buttons and like a puka shell necklace and he's like got his <laughs> hair. On, that, that
1: was a picture. And he's
2: like, oh. gotta let me tell the story. Oh, okay, okay. He's got his hair spiked up and he's like doing this like, hey, what's up, girl? And it's like a selfie, but it was it like with a digital camera. Of course we didn't have
1: phones <laughs> back then.
2: <laughs> the Cheers to the adventure of the selfie. Had you patented or trademarked the word at that time, I wonder how much money you would have made by now. Um, like a penny or two. I,
1: I don't think hashtags were available back then. I think Not I,
2: hashtags, but you could have trademarked the word selfie.
1: I don't think it was. Um, it was already trademarked, but it wasn't for what you think it was.
2: Why did you just, <laughs> why did you wink at me and go? <laughs> oh. Okay, for a family-friendly podcast, you like to take it unfri- unfriendly.
1: Uh, I I'm. I'm you're not
2: drinking anything but (laughs) friends we hope that our sunday night edition of the chris and christine show has been fun for you uh we appreciate you listening chris where can people find out more about our family friendly adventures
1: well you can go on over to the website which is chris and christine
2: and you can find links to podtastic audio the chris and christine show christine smith designs You can watch some of our family videos of our summer vacations, which are super fun and keep up with us on all the newest and latest and greatest. Also, if you check out the show notes here, Chris has been including some great links to different resources and tools and information about our great uh, VIP guests from this week. And just you know, lots of really cool information. Right, Chris?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Don't babe.
2: me as I'm about to <laughs> knock over my mimosa. Yeah,
1: Christine, drink it on the podcast.
2: What's <laughs> one way I have to get through life. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, toast, cheers. cheers. It's my one time having a mimosa on the show, but we really do appreciate you all. Thanks for bearing with us. We hope you had some fun with us this week, and we look back to being back with you next, next week. week.